it is time to get solar powered. This is the Solar Powered Podcast, and I am Ryan Hall of Royal Hearts Coaching, royalheartscoaching.com, life and relationship coaching for kings. Now, if you remember on our last episode, we had on our, uh, we had on our guest Elizabeth Hill, who I am really honored to be participating in this new writing project that she's putting together, really around, uh, really around stories from the COVID-19 pandemic. What has COVID taught us? What can the world learn from this pandemic? And what can we learn about ourselves and about our, just our place in the world from this slowdown? And I'm starting a new series here on this podcast about people who, my fellow authors really, my fellow authors in this, um, in this book project and the first episode here, I'm really excited to have my buddy Davidson Hang. So let's go to New York City. And if I could just get him off mute. There we go. And uh, let's go to New York City and talk to my buddy Davidson Hang. Davidson, how are you, brother? Hey, nice, nice being here. Uh, it's always nice like seeing you. Uh, I know we met through Accomplishment Coaching and just really love. Uh, I'm also I'm close with Melissa, and I know she speaks very highly of you. But yeah, I'm excited to be here. Also, a former guest on the show too. So, hmm. Yeah, she's she was my she was actually my first podcast episode ever. Uh, was Melissa? Nice, nice, nice. Well, before we get too deep into that, I this is the first question I always ask of my guests: Who is Davidson Hang? Ah, yes. One of the, the, so the exercise that helped me figure out who I was from accomplishment coaching, which is a coaching program Ryan and I did, uh, I'm heart, brilliance, partner, compassion, and optimism. No, and I can totally see that. (laughs) And more recently I did a a different. Dude, dude, I think Helen Keller could see that actually. (laughs) I love that. Thanks, Ryan. That's awesome. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's got to be the quote of the day like oh oh, oh my god <laughs> i love it helen keller ray charles and stevie wonder yeah <laughs> continue my friend continue that's funny. no so more recently i did this this program called next level uh um training which uh, i met from reading so um lewis howes who wrote the mask of masculinity he hosts um a like a yearly conference uh, called the Summit of Greatness. And then from that, uh, so Lewis himself went through that program from Next Level. And from that, I realized that um, what I'm, the purpose of a lot of my creative work is to, to show abundance, pique people's curiosity, and for people to tap into their creative minds. So that's something that I've noticed as a, as a more recent shift in who I'm being and, and more of my recent passion projects. Nice, nice. Yeah, and you've got a lot of them out there. You definitely have a lot of them out there. Um, I guess, you know, bef- uh, just, just kind of moving forward here, what's your story? I mean, how did you, uh, you know, how did you, um, you know, I guess what was some of the, some of the things that shaped who you're being in the world, as we were speaking briefly before we uh, before we started recording this, 
um, you're like the uh, kind of the stereotypical young professional New York City resident, always on the run, got a lot of irons in the fire. And um, yeah, just, you know, what are some of the uh, things that shape that about mm. you? That's a great question. And I wish more people would ask other people that question. Um, yeah, for, for me, I would say there were three pivotal moments in my life that I would say have greatly influenced like who I am. One was when my father left us as a child, um, like out of nowhere, he just moved out one day and didn't tell, tell us that I think that really helped me want to be able to find mentors and find other people to kind of fill that void. So because of that, I was always seeking male role models, whether it's like directors and VPs and executives who I, who I unfairly put them as like my, my substitute father figure. So I think that really helped me like want to be like, not like him, right? My goal in life was to not be my father. And as you can imagine, like that's not really a great goal to have in life. Um, secondly, I remember I got let go or I got let, well, I would say, yeah, I was fired from a lot of different jobs. And I think it was because like, I was always like seeking, I, I, I guess like I was always making enemies of like my managers, which I think that probably had to do something with, with like what happened with my father. And then I remember being, um, I got held back in third grade and that like devastated me. I was like, who freaking gets held back in third grade? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think those three moments, like really, I was out to prove that I'm not stupid and that, um, you know, so I, I would say like that really shaped like who I am today into, like you said, like a grinding New Yorker who's like trying to make a lot of money and then, you know, kind of out to, to uh, cause a lot of change in the world. Kind of that externally, uh, kind of that externally focused, externally driven life that uh, so many of us mm. have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this this time of reflection has helped me realize that, you know, being on the hamster wheel is it's great. Like it's nice to get the pat on the back and the awards and like the acknowledgments. But then I realize it's also it, it it's it's fleet it fleets right. It, it's never permanent. Like it's like it's nice and then you're on to the next. And I think these past three months have helped me realize like huh, if I don't love myself, then that's, then it doesn't really matter because I'll get, I can seek all the validation I want, but if I'm not validating myself, then it almost doesn't matter. Right. Cause I'm always going to be coming from a place of lack and fixing instead of like a place of like authenticity. I totally get that. I totally get that. It's like you're it's like you're seeking out something that just uh, that just isn't there. It's almost like you're it's almost like you're seeking out the force. You know, it's like you're seeking out the force. It's something that we can't see, but we know it's out there. And the people who really know how to use the force are the ones who, I guess, just kind of stumble into it. You know. Hmm. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, huh? Well, I'm doing my job then here, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's a, um, you know, there's a lot that we can go to, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about you, you know, you're very outspoken and very proud of your, um, of your connection with a certain up and coming website, if you want to talk about that. <laughs> you're referring to, to LinkedIn? Oh, 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 that website. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What, are, yeah. What is your connection with that? I know that's your day that's job. That's funny. Yeah, you're, you're pretty funny, Ryan. I love that. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> um, yeah. So LinkedIn, it was funny because like, as a child, because I, I felt like, you know, living off of food stamps and like growing up, like I was born in Camden, New Jersey, which is like at one point, like rated the most dangerous city in, in America. I grew up from a place of like, I felt like there was a lack of resources. So when I just stumbled upon this website called LinkedIn, I was like, wait a second, you're telling me this kid who works at the movie theaters on the weekends to try to pay for you know his college can reach out to anybody in the world and seek advice? Like, that's amazing. So that's exactly what I did. So I, I would reach out to all the different podcasters who I listened to authors who have read their books and and not everyone gets back to you like i get it it's like you know but that really changed my life like i would listen to like all these amazing people and they would actually write back to me sometimes and i was like holy crap and then that's why i'm so passionate about linkedin because i think it it's helped me really be able to connect with people whether it's like lewis howes about his um book about massive masculinity and then finally meeting him in person to um you know, Rich Roll, who, who was addicted to, um, he was a, like a drunk, right? And then he got, let, he got a divorce on the same day that he got married. Um, you know, so all these like people who I looked up to and be able to seek advice from them. Um, so that, that's why I'm really passionate about LinkedIn and, um, you know, what, who we're being in the world as a company. Got it, got it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd say... Um, it seems just from the outside looking in, it seems to be a very interesting culture to work for. Yeah, a lot of coaches, a lot of, um, there's a, so the conversation, what's present now is the, the white privilege conversation. And you, would, you wouldn't think a company of 16,000 people uh, would have this as the, center, the, the theme of this month. But yeah, we have a, on Friday, we have a whole, day dedicated to, to volunteering and being an ally and educating ourselves and having these really uncomfortable conversations. And, and for that, I'm grateful. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I know that, uh, I know that LinkedIn and, um, we, we did graduate from accomplishment coaching. I was a, I believe you were a year behind me. Ah, oh, you were that yeah, I mean, we weren't part of the same. We weren't part of the same class, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I thought I thought you were a graduate for much longer. Okay. No, no, it's uh, January of 2017. Oh. So, 16 and 17 was my uh, was my class. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I could have sworn you've been a graduate for much longer. Okay, cool. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it kind of feels like it. Um, <laughs> but I know that. Uh, but I know that. A lot of uh, at least two graduates from our program are both uh, alumni uh, alumni of LinkedIn. Mm. So 
um, my, you know, my teammate Adita, and then there was a, um, uh, Kaylin, I believe, who got Adita into it. So there's a, um, there's definitely a connection with that and, you know, kind of our personal transformation, personal development world that we're both, uh, that we're both big, uh, a, a big part of. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think LinkedIn, it's rare culture where we really try to celebrate our side projects, our passions. For instance, um, you know, I have my, my podcast, obviously, and my, my website and, and my YouTube channel. And it's actually okay. It's acceptable to work on those. Like, they, they, it's, it's rare. I haven't seen many companies that celebrates that like, individuality. So I could see how, you know, a lot of uh, LinkedIners would be uh, interested in a program like accomplishment coaching. Totally. Totally. Speaking of your podcast, speaking of your YouTube channel, you've got a lot of stuff going on, man. Talk a little, talk a little bit about that and um, just what really got you into podcasting. First of all, let's talk about that. Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing to have these types of conversations to meet with like wonderful people like yourself and Melissa. And uh, I, um, I just interviewed uh, Christine Sachs and then I have Mark Hunter uh, next week. So, you know, to be able to share the Christine Sachs, that person. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, just Christine Sachs. Love her, love her to death. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, she she's is. funny. Like the whole. Yeah, I was laughing. We were laughing the whole time. Similar to to our podcast now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like the reason why I love podcasting so much is because I I often have these types of conversations, like the ones, like the one we're having now, and I'm like man, like, I wish I could record this because if I, like Davidson at the age of 18, 19, 20, like any, like any, like as a young child, I would have like loved, I would have killed to have like access to this type of information. And I'm like, you know what? Like, why don't I be that person for like someone who was Davidson at 18 and 15 when he was lost and depressed and, you know, I was like in therapy and stuff like that. That'd be great. So that, that's what got me into podcasting. And, and I noticed a lot of the people that love my content are kind of in the same journey as I am, but maybe a few years back. Got it. Got it. So people who are kind of, uh, kind of, a sh kind of an anchor without a tether, in other words. Mm -hmm. I like all these like analogies you have. <laughs> I, I'm a writer. I'm a writer first. Well, you know, what could I say? I was a writer before I became a coach. Uh, that makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people who I would say like they don't see their own brilliance, like like the world sees it, like accepts them for who they are, but they they see they seek external validation, whether it's through winning awards or, you know, trying to make more money or get a promotion and things like that. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, no. And do you find that uh do you find that the people who are drawn to your uh, what's it called by the way what's your podcast uh very very egocentric the davidson hang podcast <laughs> well i i because lewis howells and tim ferris i would say and rich roll are like my three favorite podcasters so i so it's a very similar format to tim ferris lewis howells and rich roll uh in, in terms of like gotcha. the types of guests and types of topics we talk about Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, Lewis Howells. I'm definitely a fan of his. I love that book, by the way, The Mask of Masculinity. Uh, it's uh, yeah, he was one of the few people I had um, 
I was, um, when I had finished reading that book, I know that I had reached out to him because um, I wanted to write an article about it, what I got from it. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised that he got back with me and, you know, I got a couple of quotes from him for that article. So, I mean, he's very, you know, I can't speak the same for, you know, for Ferris and the other people, but I know that for a big time podcaster like that to, you know, to get back with somebody who was living in, you know, suburban New York City at the time, I guess I'm still in suburban New York City, but, um, but to get back with somebody like that, just somebody, you know, kind of as I saw myself small like that, he, you know, people like that are just very accessible, you know? Yeah, you're right. When I met him for his book signing, when the mask of masculinity came out and he signed, uh, I bought three books. I gifted one to Alex Terranova, who was my coach at the time. Um, the second one was to, um, uh, Jeff Zakarski, who was a part of my program. And then the third one was to Mark Hunter, who is now my coach. Nice. Nice. He's a, a some pretty uh pretty heavy hitters in our world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, especially I mean, especially Mark, the guy literally wrote the book on you know one of the you know big books about this business. That's a guy I'd love to have on my show too, mm. by the way. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. It's uh you know, and do you find the people that are drawn to your podcast are also drawn to your uh you know to your other content like your YouTube content? Yeah, it's similar. It's interesting. I think, I, I, I guess like maybe because I'm Asian, it seems like a lot of like young Asian male tend to gravitate towards my content. I'm not sure it's because sometimes I do write about the insecurities of being Asian and how we're portrayed in the media as this like weak, nerdy, um, you know, with the glasses and like the bull hair, like you know, that or we're martial artists. So I do talk a lot about like what it's like um, advancing in corporate America as like an Asian male. So I think because of that, I think those tend, I tend to get the most feedback from those, um, from, I guess, more minorities. But I do, you know, some of my, I guess I call them allies who are just, or my mentors who just always support me no matter what I do will always give me feedback as well just because like they just, like just support everything and who who I am but I do I do like if I because it's weird like I don't know for you like when you write a lot like do a lot of people actually get back to you like because because I feel like a lot of times people I can see the viewers on my blog but most of the time people don't say anything right it's very rare that people like actually take time to like comment or something uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes I do I mean sometimes I um you know, some, when I know that there is a, that there's a piece that I write uh, for Goodman Project, for example, when I know that there's a piece out there that I know that's going to get a lot of traction, sometimes I'm surprised that I don't get feedback. Mm. But then sometimes when I read a, when I write a piece that I probably published three years ago, when I was in a far different place mentally, um, I get uh, in like relationships were far different at the time for me, mm. but I would get a, uh, but I would get feedback from something like that from like three years ago. Huh. I'm like, people still read this stuff. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm also, but I was also surprised that, um, that especially cause I am a, you know, as, as a weekly columnist, I mean, I was a weekly columnist for a good men project for a long time. 
um, I'm kind of cut that back because it was kind of getting too much. But one of the one of the pieces I wrote maybe God maybe three years ago. Um, I found that I got a lot of feedback from Indian readers, hmm. like people like like India and Pakistan, kind of in that area of the world, which like straight up blew my mind. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, I did, and you know, I also find that on this podcast, it's a small pocket, but a very small pocket of listeners in India. I, I think I know why, actually. What do you think? I feel like a lot of um, Indian males go through this vulnerability type of stage where we all try, like, and Asians, I think, also go through it, where we kind of, like, because I think, like, Indian and Asian society is, like, men aren't supposed to, like, show our feelings. Like, we're supposed to be, like, you know, stoic. Like, we're not supposed to, like, be emotional and stuff like that but i think like a lot of so a lot of guys like growing up we we weren't able to like bear our souls and stuff like that and then as we go older you're like wait a second like who says i can't and i think maybe that's why it resonates with like men going through that like huh maybe there's something about this like maybe i can connect with other men not just about like women but about like real shit like deep shit you know exactly exactly speaking from the heart instead of speaking from this big dome just from this big dome that lives on our shoulders big dome I like that <laughs> yeah um and we'll of course include links to um all of your information in the show notes below so um you can definitely check out what uh what uh, davidson brings to the uh brings to the world the kind of content that he puts out there so um we'll definitely uh definitely include that but I know that um, as a fellow author in um, uh, in this uh, just really fascinating book project that uh, my last guest uh, Liz Hill is putting together, um, there there was really a um, this this podcast this podcast listen to me this pandemic has um, I guess really taught you some interesting lessons so what would be some of the biggest lessons that you have learned in this slowdown and this pause? Let's say. Yeah, I think one of the big things that definitely like shook me was when um, I, I started doing zoom calls. Well, it started off with just calling like my best friend who now has a kid in, in California. And then that led to me like, looping in like a bunch of our friends and then before we know it we had we during the pandemic we started like speaking with each other a while back but uh, you know a lot of them are doctors and you know we, we've all like moved away to different places all over the all over the country and you know i noticed that we were all so busy that we only saw each other like maybe once a year um and jameson who's uh, uh also a doctor um, he he said, man, I can't believe it took a pandemic for all of us to hang out again. Man, but this is great, guys. Like, I love you guys. Like, we should do this more often. So then we started doing, like, weekly calls. And that really hit me because I take, I'm, 
like Brian said, like I'm a typical New Yorker in the sense that like always on the go, right? Always got a place to be, you know? And sometimes like as, as, as a New Yorker, we don't realize it because it, it just becomes a habit. But you don't even take time to like say hi, you know, say hi to like sometimes I'll see friends like walking around and I'm just like, dude, like, sorry, like I'm running to like whatever meeting. Right. And it's like, am I that type of guy now that I can't even like take the time and like have a quick catch up with my friends? Like that's that that's not who I want to be. But to answer your question, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's hel- it's had me reevaluate like who I want to be for the world and and just like slow down a little bit and just be okay with like like honestly this is like a horrible thing to even be at but sometimes like i feel guilty from for just reading a book for three hours like i should not feel guilty for reading a book for three hours you know like that is that my life now <laughs> that, that's ridiculous when you feel guilty for just taking time for yourself yeah that's definitely uh that's definitely a pretty big shift mm-hmm. definitely a pretty big shift and you know what i heard from what you just said was it's really it's really shown you what's important in the world that connection that you know that brotherhood that you know, that connection that you have with people that really mean a lot to you. Mm. Yeah, I think actually the, one of the best things that has come to fruition from this is I started a, a group called The Fellows and there's 12 of us guys and every month we share, we have like a whole month dedicated to, to that fellow. So every month of the, of the year. So okay. this past month was Jeff's um, month where we had an hour where he got to bear his soul and just share like very, very vulnerably where I actually cried just for hearing him be so open with us about, you know, masculinity and, and the pressures of it. And, and so we, we text each other every, like every day and we do like a short video clip. And, but the point is like building deep authentic relationships is actually like what I realize, like what I actually want versus like, you can argue that sometimes LinkedIn connections are superficial, right? Especially when you have 14,000 of them like I do. It's, sometimes it, that can be uh, transactional, you know? Transactional, definitely. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Almost like you're, uh, you know, almost like you're, you feel like you have to check off, uh, like check off these connections on a list or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, am I singing happy birth? Am I singing a happy birthday song because I genuinely like care about them, or am I doing it because like, oh, well, I should check in with them like once in a while, you know? So sometimes I I'm a little bit more reflective as I've had more time to kind of unwind and just chill out a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, that's that's. As, you know, that's a story that I'm hearing a lot from people mm. that have, you know, that have been affected by this pandemic, unless they're just like directly on the front lines of, uh, of this and either, you know, in either a supermarket environment or a hospital, like a lot of your friends are, um, that it's just really taught them to just slow down and appreciate what's important in the world. Mm. That's a fair point, Ash. I haven't made that connection. Thanks for connecting the dots. A lot of my doctor friends who are obviously very close to the COVID, 
they've also they have been reaching out more often as well and it may be because they start to see the mortality of life and they're like maybe i should you know make more of a cautious cautious effort to stay in touch with all of us and and i noticed that they've been reaching out more than ever versus before it's like oh, i gotta pass the boards i gotta you know i gotta do the i gotta get this fellowship done and you know like it was very like you know like just like a similar new york city mentality yeah, wor- working 48-hour shifts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally. And this has also really been kind of a new avenue for you because you never really saw yourself as a writer before um, before all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not like you, Ryan, where, like, you're witty, you're quick on your feet. Like, you have you make a lot of good analogies. I think that comes with practice, and clearly you've had a ton of practice. So even hearing how you do your podcasting, how the space that you give and like just how well you listen just from our very brief intro, like just conversation, like it's, it's, um, yeah. So similarly, I would say like writing, um, for me was, um, a beginner at it. Um, so I'm learning like a lot more of the nuances, like how to be more concise, how to, uh, you know, tell a story, how to dramatize like things and, and, and how to paint like a picture, you know, so for me, like this is all new. And uh, I think the reason why I, I was so afraid of writing is because like my English teacher, would, I would have really bad scores. I, I would like pretty much almost failed like during SATs on the verbal and the writing. I did horribly. Um, you know, my story is like, oh, I'm Asian. We didn't speak English. Like my parents still don't speak English. So, you know, I had a lot of that story in my life, but it's like, dude, I'm 30, turning 33, like in July, like, okay, like get over it. You know, <laughs> it's like, like clearly, like, you know how to speak English, like stop making excuses. <laughs> I was about to say, I've understood most every word you said. So, <laughs> Well, this is not writing, Ryan. <laughs> Touche, my brother. Touche. <laughs> but it's, you know, but, you know, it's really, I think, um, I think a lesson that a lot of us can learn is that this, um, it's like one of the things that I wrote about in my um, chapter that's going to be in this book is that I don't know if, um, like, I don't know if this pandemic has taught me how to be resilient. But it's more shown me the kind of the limitless nature of what I'm capable of hmm. and what I'm still capable of. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. It it kind of reminds me like with space comes possibility, like anything is possible, right? When you have a clear blank slate, blank can- canvas. Yeah, because if you're, yeah, because, you know, an analogy that I like to use is, um, is a guitar string, you know, that if the, uh, that if the guitar string is tuned, is wound too tight, it's going to choke off the natural sound of the instrument, and the guitar string is eventually going to break. You know, same thing with the drum head. You're gonna, you know, if you have the drum head too tight, it's gonna choke out the natural sound of the instrument and it's not gonna let that wood, that, you know, that resonance kind of ring out. 
So the biggest thing that I'm hearing from what you've been sharing so far is that this pandemic has really taught you that, um, that while putting your pedal to the, putting the pedal to the metal all the time may be a powerful, may be a, an externally, maybe that externally driven power. <laughs> it's not the internal power that we're all, that we're all as human beings really after. Mm. Yeah, that's be, be, uh, beautifully said. I, I, de I definitely think that, um, you know, living in New York, like you kind of see everyone just pedal to the metal all the time. And it's, it's, it's interesting because like I see it right in others where it's, it's like, you know, even some of my coworkers like headphones down, like you know, they don't even say hi to like any of their coworkers. Like, oh, how was your weekend? You know, like that's not even a conversation. Yes, they're making 200, 300K, right? But it, it, is that what, is that who I want to be, right? Not to say like that's wrong. Maybe they're amazing parents. Like maybe, you know, they provide for their kids. You know, maybe they're much more present with their kids, right? Like who am I to say? But I, I definitely see that that's not the life that, that I want. Um, so it's helped me reflect and, and even just check in with some of my fellow colleagues, like, Hey, like, how's everything? But not from a place of like, Hey, can you help me with this? But just from a place of like, what's going on? Yeah. You know? Hey, how you doing? Did you catch the game? How's, you know, how's the wife? How's the husband? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. So there's a, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of beauty in just slowing down because mother nature really doesn't have a pause button. She really doesn't have a pause button until there's a worldwide pandemic that really teaches us okay, we need to slow tf down. <laughs> Calm down and breathe and just remember who we are as human beings and not just human doings. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you're you're you are always pretty good at the the being part, right? Clearly you're doing as well, right? You do all the like you have all these amazing creative um creations of yours. But even meeting you for the first time, I was like, wow, like he's really connected to AC, what we're about, the space that we're about to create. Like even you coming in as an observer, I definitely noticed like presence like you're listening like you're very aware of people's like where they're at and meeting people where they're at like yeah I, I feel like that was always a huge strength of yours so and I certainly appreciate that I think that uh, I think since I'm not a native New Yorker clearly <laughs> that being southern our uh, our way of life is a little bit slower down there so I feel like that has always been a natural, uh, like a natural gift for me. So it's funny you mentioned that. So when I proposed to my fiance in Charleston, um, she was so in love with like the pace of, and the people actually took the time to talk to you. Like even the waiters, like were talking to us, and she was like, "Whoa, this is nice." <laughs> like people actually want to have a conversation <laughs> with you versus in New York. I don't feel. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel like I'm a. <laughs> Like, I don't feel like I'm a, like a, a cattle being, you know, a cow being herded through a, you know, feedlot or something. Yeah. So she was actually like, maybe we could consider retiring here. So who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll uh, embrace the, the space and the, 
the pause and then uh, just being able to just be, you know, just be. There you go. There you go. Well, we are uh, running a little bit out of time here. Before we go, I do want to ask you one more question. If there's a, if there's a little nugget of wisdom that you like to live with our, that you like to live with our listeners of just um, like the biggest thing that you've taken away from this pause and the slowdown. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, it's like to try to seek to understand the other side. I think I was very like stubborn in some of my opinions, like, oh, you know, like I, I have a, I'm sometimes I'm very firm on like my beliefs, but I think this pause has helped me be able to understand and have compassion for whether it's, you know, the blacks and what they've gone through, through you know, uh, 70 years ago to, or even, you know, right now with um pride month right like seek like okay what is it like to be you know because i was only seeking i was only seeking to understand other asians right but there was not a lot of me that even cared or left or had the space to care about you know what what does it mean to be an, a white ally you know so i think this pause has helped me actually take a step back and say okay well before i judge like let me just try to understand like, where they're coming from beautiful beautiful how can the people find you out on the interwebs uh yeah uh as ryan said i'm everywhere but you, you could google davidson hang um link obviously i work at linkedin so davidson hang uh davidsonhang.com is my website my blog where i i'll write like some of the craziest things like the other day i just wrote about how i experimented with like drugs and ecstasy and acid and stuff like that so you know i try to be pretty vulnerable but yeah, if, you, if you're curious about like weird topics, like I, I write a ton of weird topics. So. <laughs> right on, right on. And of course, we'll include links to everything in the show notes. So um, so you can find that quickly. Davidson, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. We'd love to have you on my podcast as well. Thank my pleasure. First guest podcast I've ever been on. So I really appreciate you. Right on, right on. We'll make that happen. Oh. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for listening to the Solar Powered Podcast, a presentation of Royal Hearts Coaching. For more information about Royal Hearts Coaching, just visit me at my website at royalheartscoaching.com, the soon-to-be-redesigned website. I know I've been saying that for a couple months now, but I mean it. Uh, you can also find me on social media at Ryan Hall Writes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find me regularly on The Good Men Project. I write about men's issues and personal development. So I'm, I'm not as quite as many places I think as Davidson, but I'm in a lot of places. So we thank you so much for listening to the Solar Powered Podcast. Until we meet again, this is Ryan Hall saying thank you so much for listening. So long for now. I love you all and go get solar powered right after you wash your hands. Mm -hmm.